The Chicago River originally flowed into Lake Michigan, carrying with it the city's sewage and industrial waste. This posed a serious public health risk as the city's drinking water intake pipes were located near the mouth of the river in Lake Michigan. Did you know that to fix the problem, late 19th century city planners pulled off one of the most significant engineering feats in the nation's history? They reversed the Chicago River. I'm your host, Peter Zablocki, and this is History Shorts. By the time the reversal of the Chicago River, a project that began in the late 19th century and was completed in 1900, the city had transformed from a small trading post in the 1830s to a major industrial and commercial hub. Chicago's strategic location near the Great Lakes and its connection to the expanding railroad network fueled its industrial growth, and the city soon became a center for manufacturing, meatpacking, and other industries. The Chicago's population experienced a dramatic increase during this period, attracting people from various background seeking economic opportunities, including immigrants arriving in search of jobs and a better life. Chicago's rapid industrialization and population growth in the late 19th century resulted in a significant increase in sewage and industrial waste. At the time, the Chicago River served as an open sewer, receiving untreated sewage from households and waste from industrial processes directly into its waters. The critical issue was the proximity of the Chicago River's mouth to the city's drinking water intake pipes in Lake Michigan. Water intake pipes drawing water from Lake Michigan were located right next to the shoreline where the river emptied into the lake. Thus, the contaminated water from the Chicago River was being drawn into the city's drinking water supply, posing a direct threat to public health. Soon, the polluted conditions of the Chicago River created a breeding ground for waterborne diseases such as typhoid and cholera. The recurring outbreaks of waterborne diseases heightened public health concerns and prompted city officials to take divisive action. In an effort to save the city from the ravages of waterborne illnesses, local engineers suggested Chicago reverse the direction of its river away from the lake and toward the Mississippi River. It was a bold and ambitious plan which many saw not only as impractical but a fool's errand. Still, the city officials would not be deterred. To address the issue and improve sanitation, the city of Chicago undertook a massive civil engineering project known as the Chicago Sanitary and Ship Canal. The canal was designed by civil engineer Isham Randolph, who worked on the Chicago Sanitary District's Board of Trustees. His expertise in civil engineering was crucial to the success of the project that called for a 28-mile-long canal that would connect the Chicago River to the Des Plaines River, ultimately reversing its flow away from Lake Michigan and toward the Mississippi. The construction, which began in 1892 and lasted nearly a decade, involved extensive excavation work to create a navigatable channel capable of accommodating the redirected flow of the Chicago River. The digging and removal of soil were significant undertakings, as was the creation of control structures such as locks and gates to regulate the flow of the water to facilitate navigation. To ensure gravity-driven flow from the Chicago River, the canal was engineered with a slight slope. The redirection of the Chicago River sparked legal battles between Chicago and downstream states. Disputes centered on issues such as water rights, the impact of the reverse flow on water quality, and the potential for increased pollution downstream. The downstream states were also interested in preserving navigational rights and ensuring that the altered flow did not hinder transportation on the Mississippi River. In order to counter these issues, interstate compacts were negotiated to address the concerns of multiple states and ensure collaborative management of water resources. 
These compacts outline how water would be allocated, quality standards, and mechanisms for dispute resolution. The city of St. Louis filed a court injunction against the Chicago River reversal, claiming it would bring to the area more pollutants. After the case went to the Supreme Court, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes decided in Chicago's favor, writing that for better or worse, the Mississippi River near St. Louis was already foul, and this before the Chicago River ever connected to it. A decade after his decision and the ultimate completion of the Chicago River reversal, biologists from the Illinois Natural History Survey documented the conditions in the Illinois River about 60 miles southwest of Chicago, which also drained into the Mississippi. The water was grayish and sloppy, with foul, privy odors distinguishable in hot weather. Putrescent masses of soft, graying, or blackish, slimy matter loosely held together by threads of fungi were floating down the stream. It would have been difficult for St. Louis to argue how the Chicago River would make the pollution any worse than it already was. When the canal was finally opened in 1900, the Chicago River published an editorial where it proclaimed Water was actually blue in color and had blocks of ice of transparent green hue floating in it, which caused people who crossed bridges over the Chicago River to stop and stare in amazement. Although a modern marvel, the Chicago River reversal highlighted some unfortunate truths about people and their interaction with the environment. Following the project's completion, aquatic vegetation had to adapt to the changes in water flow, sedimentation, and nutrient levels. Modifications in water flow influence water temperature, further impacting species sensitive to temperature variations. As for the Chicago River, Lake Michigan, and their relationship with the growing city of Chicago, ingenuity could not fix human nature. Even after the construction of the canal, many of the city's suburbs continued their population growth, which in turn resulted in continued waste dumping into Lake Michigan. Regarding the Chicago River, while the death rate in the cities decreased after the reversal, the river itself continued to be an open sewer system carrying raw human and industrial waste. It would not be until 1929 that the city and state built numerous treatment plants and other infrastructure projects to treat and deal with Chicago's polluted waters. Today, the Chicago River may no longer flow in a direction that nature had intended, but it is cleaner than it has ever been for over a century. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out History Shorts on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your shows. You can also visit HistoryShortsPodcast.com.